careof.com. You know your body, care of no science. Let's work together. Find the right vitamins, protein, and duck collagen too. Personalized just for you. Healthy doesn't have to be hard. Care of will make it easy. Take a quiz. Tell care of a little about yourself. They're good listeners. Get nutrients at work. Get your personalized recommendation backed by science and delivered to you. Stick with it long term. Keep the conversation going. They'll just they'll just as your health needs change. A routine tailored to you. Careful. <coughs> help you create a health plan <coughs> with vitamin supplements and more that help you feel your best today and support your long term. Care of is with you. Once you have your tailored plan, they'll help you stick with it, track your supplements, learn about how they work, and get new recommendations as your health changes. All in their handy app. So say hello to your new healthy habit. Honest guidance. Careful promise to be honest with you. <coughs> As I show you the research and <coughs> be transparent about how established it is. They don't pretend all supplements have equal levels of scientific evidence or traditional history. Who <coughs> God isn't the truth, but they will always show you their work and tailor their guidance to you as an individual. Better ingredients. Carof's research and development team has traveled the globe so they can provide the most effective, bioavailable, and sustainable ingredients possible. They're transparent about their supply chain because they build products they want to take and then they deliver them straight to your door. SimplySafe.com Whole Home Protection Protection for every window, home, room, and door against intruders, fires, water damage, medical emergencies, and more. All monitored 24-7 by professionals ready to dispatch police. Everything you need to know, experts choose SimpliSafe Home Security, named Best Home Security Overall by U.S. News and World Report, and awarded by Popular Mechanics and more. Live professional alerts, SimpliSafe's monitor staff calls you when trouble is detected and stays with you until it's solved. Dispatch faster than with, you, with visual verification. Adding visual verification to your monitoring plan lets Simply Safe use let's verify your alarm is real, and so police can dispatch faster. It's a lot less ex- expensive. Simply Safe cuts out the middleman and mac up so you get more security for less with no contact. Prepared for the unexpected. Lose power, lose Wi-Fi, someone attacks your system, natural disasters, SimpliSafe is ready. Protects against fires and water damage. More than just intruders, SimpliSafe pros monitor against leaks, floods, fires, and more. Keep an eye inside and out. With HD security cameras for indoors and out, see what's happening all the time. Designed to disappear. From the tiny size of SimpliSafe sensors to easy one-touch control means you'll never notice your security system. Detects people, ignores pets. Motion sensors uses a precision human form detection algorithm. Compare your security options. Traditional home security. Monitored by professionals. 36-month plan. Contract. Monitoring costs. 37 to 53 a month. Hardware. Needs landline. Poor rating on Trustpilot. Simply save the better way. Monitored by professionals. 
No contracts, wireless, no drilling or landline required, great rating on Trustpilot, easy to set up yourself in no time. Here's how it works. Choose your security sensors. Simple Safe will walk you through exactly what your home needs and ship it to your front door in under a week. Set it up in just a few minutes. No tools needed or let one of Simposet's pros do it for you. Sensors guard all your rooms and entry points. If there's a trouble, Simposet's monitoring center will call you and if needed, dispatch authorities. More reasons to choose Simposafe. Arm, disarm from anywhere. Forgot to arm your system? Need to let someone in? Do it right from your phone anytime. Almost never charge, change your batteries. Batteries last for almost a decade in Simposafe's entry sensors. The best lifespan in the industry. Better life may vary based on use. Alexa, arm my system. Use your system with Alexa, Google Assistant, August Locks, Apple Watch, and more. Keep an eye on cabinets, safes, and more. Secret alerts quietly alert to you if someone accesses private areas without sounding an alarm. Customize for your home. Simposafe will customize the right system for your home's needs. Incredible range. Many wireless security struggle to cover your entire house. Simposafe can cover large homes with ease. Custom alerts for friends and family. Set up text alerts so friends will... And family can stay in the know. Duress pin. If someone forces you to disarm your system, your duress pin will sickly alert the authorities. Meet the station. Booth station. The bronze comes with a built-in cell connection and to rapidly alert Simposafe's emergency dispatch center. Try it. Test it. Love it. Or return it. Test Simposafe in your home for 60 days. Your system arrives ready to work. No drilling or tools needed. If you aren't 100% satisfied, return it for a full refund. Uh, they'll even pay return shipping. Good morning. Hope you had a good week. Here is U.S. President number 37, Richard M. Nixon, Part 1. Richard Milhouse Nixon, January 9, 1913, April 22, 1994, was the 37th President of the United States, serving until 1969 until 1974. A member of the Republican Party, Nixon previously served as the 36th Vice President from 1953 to 1961, having risen to national prominence as a representative and senator from California. After five years in the White House, that saw the conclusion of the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, the intensity with the Soviet Union and China, and the establishment of the Environmental Protection Agency, he became the only president to resign from the office. Nixon was born into a poor family in a small town in Southern California. He graduated from Duke University School of Law in 1937 and returned to California to practice law. He and his wife, Pat, moved to Washington in 1942 to work for the federal government. He served on active duty in the Navy Reserve during World War II. He was elected to the House of Representatives in 1946. His pursuit of his case established his reputation as a leading anti-communist, which elevated him to national prominence. In 1950, he was elected to the Senate. He was a running mate of Dwight D. Eisenhower, the Republican presidential nominee in the 1952 election. Subsequently, serving for eight years in as the vice president, he unsuccessfully ran for president in 1960, narrowly losing to John F. Kennedy. Nixon then lost a race for governor of California to Pat Brown in 1962. In 1960, he ran for the president again and was elected, defeating Hubert Humphrey, Humphrey and George Wallace in a close election. 
Nixon ended American involvement with the war in Vietnam in 1973, ending the military draft that same year. Nixon's visit to China in 1973 eventually led to diplomatic relations between the two nations, and he initiated the Tente and the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty with the Soviet Union. The same year, his administration generally transferred power from federal control to state control. He imposed wage and price controls for 90 days and forced desegregation of southern schools, established an environmental protection agency, and began the war on cancer. He also presided over the Apollo 11 moon landing, which signaled the end of the moon race. He was re-elected in one of the largest electoral landslides in American history in 1972 when he defeated George McGovern. In his second term, Nixon ordered an airlift to resupply Israeli losses in the Yom Kippur War, a war which led to the oil crisis at home. By late 1973, the Watergate scandal escalated, causing Nixon much of his political support. On August 9, 1974, he resigned in the face of almost certain impeachment and removal from office. The only time an American president has done so. After his resignation, he was issued a controversial pardon by successor Gerald Ford. In 20 years of retirement, Nixon wrote his memoirs and nine other books and undertook many foreign trips, thereby rehabilitating his image into that of an elder statesman and leading expert on foreign affairs. He suffered a debilitating stroke on April 18, 1994, and died four days later at age 81. Eight. Early life. Richard Milhouse Dixon was born on January 9, 1913, in Yorba Linda, California, in a house built by his father. His parents were Hannah Milhouse Nixon and Francis A. Nixon. His mother was a Quaker, and his father converted from Methodism to the Quaker faith. <coughs> Through his father, his mother, Nixon was a descendant of the early English settler Thomas Cornell, who was also an ancestor of Ezra Cornell, the founder of Cornell University, as well of as of Jimmy Carter and Bill Gates. Nixon's upbringing was marked by evangelical quick observances of the times, such as refraining from alcohol, dancing, and swearing. Nixon had four brothers, Harold, 1909 to 1933, Donald, 1914 to 1987, Arthur, 1918 Richard, for example, was named as a Richard's Lionheart. Nixon's early life was marked by hardship, and he later quoted a saying of Eisenhower to describe his forehead, We were poor, but the glory of us, we didn't know it. The Nixon family ranch failed in 1922, and the family moved to Whittier, California. In an area with many Quakers, Frank Nixon opened a grocery store and gas station. Richard's younger brother, Arthur, died in 1925 at the age of seven after a short illness. Richard was 12 years old when a spot was found on his lung <coughs> with a family history of tuberculosis. He was forbidden from playing sports. Eventually, the spot was found to be a scar tissue from an early bout of pneumonia. Primary and secondary education. Richard attended East Whittier Elementary School where he was president of his 8th grade class. His parents believed that attending Whittier High School had caused Richard's older brother Harold to live a dissolute Last time before he fell ill of tuberculosis, he died of it in 1933. So they sent Richard to the larger 
Fullerton Union High School. He had to ride a school bus for an hour each way during his freshman year and received excellent grades. Later, he lived with an aunt in Fullerton during the week. He played junior varsity football and seldom missed the practice. Though he was rarely used in games, he was a greater success as a debater, winning a number of championships and taking his only formal tutelage in for public speaking from Fullerton's head of English, H. Lynn Scheller. Nixon later remembered Scheller's words, remembered speaking his conversation, don't shout at people, talk to them, converse with them. Nixon said he tried to use a conversational tone as much as possible. At the start of his junior year in September 1928, Richard's parents permitted him to transfer to Whittier High School. At Whittier, Nixon suffered his first election defeat when he lost a bid for student body president. He often rose at 4 a.m. to drive the family truck into Los Angeles and purchase vegetables at the market. He then drove to the store to wash and display them before going to school. Harold had been diagnosed with tuberculosis the previous year when the mother took him to Arizona in hopes of improving his health. The demands on Richard increased, causing him to give up football. Nevertheless, Richard graduated from Whittier High, third in his class of 207. College and Law School Education Nixon was offered a tuition grant to attend Harvard University, but Harold's continued illness and the need for their mother to care for him meant Richard was needed at the store. He remained in his hometown and attended Whittier College with his expenses covered by a bequest from his maternal grandfather. Nixon played for the basketball team. He also tried out for football but lacked the size to play. He remained on the team as a substitute and was, known, and was noted for his enthusiasm. Instead of fraternities and sororities, Whittier had literary societies. Nixon was snubbed by the only one for men, the Franklins. Many of the Franklins were from prominent families, but Nixon was not. He responded by helping to found a new organization, the Orthogonian Society. In addition to the society, schoolwork, and work at the, at the store, Nixon found time for a large number of extracurricular activities, becoming a champion debater and gaining reputation as a hard worker. In 1933, he became engaged to Ola Florence Welch, daughter of the Whittier police chief. They broke up in 1935. After graduating summer cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts degree in history from Whittier, in 1934, Nixon received a full scholarship to attend Duke University School of Law. The school was new and sought to attract top students by offering scholarships. It paid high salaries to its professors, many of whom had national or international reputations. The number of scholarships was greatly reduced for second and third year students. Forcing recipients into intense competition, Nixon not only kept his scholarship but was elected president of the Duke Bar Association, inducted into the Order of the Coif, and graduated third in his class in June 1937. Early career and marriage. After graduating from Duke, Nixon initially hoped to join the FBI. He received no response to his letter of application and learned years later that he had been hired, but his appointment had been canceled at the last minute due to budget cuts. Instead, he returned to California and was admitted to the California Bar in 1937. He began practicing in Whittier with a Law firm Winger and Bewley, working on commercial litigation for local petroleum companies and other corporate matters, as well as on wills. In later years, Nixon proudly said he was the only modern president to have previously worked as a practicing attorney. Nixon was elected to work on divorce cases, disliking frank sexual talk from women. In 1938, he opened up his own branch of Winger and Bewley in La Habra, California, and became a full partner in the firm the following year. In January 1938, Dixon was cast in the Woody Community Players of Production of the Dark Tower. There he played opposite a high school teacher named Thelma Pat Ryan. Nixon described it in his memoirs as a case of 
love at first sight for Nixon only as Pat Ryan turned down the young lawyer several times before agreeing to date him. Once it began the courtship, Ryan was reluctant to marry Nixon. They dated for two years before she assented to his proposal. They wed in a small ceremony on June 21, 1940, after their honeymoon in Mexico. Then this began the married life in Whittier. They had two daughters, Trisha, born 1946, and Julie, born 1948. Military service. In January 1942, the couple moved to Washington, D.C., where Nixon took a job as the Office of Price Administration in a political campaign. Nixon would suggest that this was his response to Pearl Harbor but he had sought the position throughout the latter part of 1941. Both Nixon and his wife believed he was limiting his prospects by remaining in Whittier. He was assigned to the entire Russian division where he was tasked with relying on to coring, replying to correspondence. He did not enjoy the role and four months later applied to join the U.S. United States Navy. As a birthright Quaker, he could have by law claimed exemption from the draft he might also have deferred because he worked in government service. In spite of that, Nixon sought a commission in the Navy. His application was successful, and he was appointed a lieutenant junior grade in the U.S. Naval Reserve, U.S. Navy Reserve, on June 15, 1942. In, 1940, in October 1942, he was signed as aide to the commander of the Naval Aid Station, Autumn in Iowa until May 1943. Seeking more excitement, he requested sea duty and on July 2, 1943, was assigned to Marine Aircraft Group 25 and South Pacific Combat Air Transport Command, SCAT, supporting the logistics of operations in the South Pacific Theater. On October 1, 1943, Nixon was promoted to lieutenant. Nixon commanded the SCAT forward detachments at Vela, La Vela, Bougainville, and finally at Green. Green Island, Nissan Island, his unit prepared manifests and flight plans for R4D slash C-47 operations and supervised the loading and unloading of transport aircraft. For his service, he received a Navy letter of commendation, awarded a Navy commendation ribbon, which was later updated to the Navy Marine Corps commendation medal from his commanding Officer for Meritorious and Efficient Performance of Duty as Officer in Charge of South Pacific Combat Air Transport Command. Upon return to the U.S., Nixon was appointed to the Administrative Officer of the Alameda Naval Air Station in California. In, in January 1945, he was transferred to the Bureau of Aeronautics Office in Philadelphia to help negotiate the termination of war contracts and received a second letter of commendation from the Secretary of the Navy for Meritorious Service tireless effort and devotion to duty. Later, Nixon was transferred to other offices to work on contracts and finally to Baltimore on October 3, 1945. He was promoted to Lieutenant Commander on March, 4, March 10, 1946. He was released to active duty. He resigned his commission on New Year's Day, 1946. On June 1st, 1963, he was promoted to Commander. He retired in the U.S. Naval Reserve on June 6, 1966. Rising politician, con congressional co career. Republicans in California's 12th congressional district was frustrated by the inability to de Democratic represent Jerry Voorhees. They sought a consensus candidate who would run a strong campaign against him. In 1945, they formed a committee of 100 to decide on a candidate hoping to avoid internal Dissensions which had led to previous Voorhees victories after the committee failed to attract higher-profile candidates. Herman Perry, manager of the Whittier's Bank of America, 
Branch suggested Nixon, a family friend with whom he had served on the Whittier College Board of Trustees before the war. Perry wrote to Nixon in Baltimore after a night of excited talk between Nixon and his wife. He responded to Perry and with enthusiasm, Nixon flew to California and was selected by the committee when he left the Navy at the start of 1946. Nixon and his wife returned to Whittier where Nixon began a year of intensive campaigning. He contended that Voorhees had been ineffective as a representative and suggested that Voorhees' endorsement by a group linked to communists meant that Voorhees must have radical views. Nixon won the election, receiving 65,586 votes to Voorhees 49,994. In June 1947, Nixon supported the Taft-Hartley Act, a federal law that monitors the activities and power of labor unions, and he served in, on the Education and Labor Committee in August 1947. He became one of the 19 House members to serve on the Hurdy Committee, which went to Europe to report on the need for U.S. foreign aid. Nixon was the youngest member of the committee and the only Westerner advocated by Hurdy Committee. Members, including Nixon, led to congressional passage of the Marshall Plan. In his memoirs, Nixon wrote that he joined the House UN American Activities Committee, HUAC, at the end of 1947. <coughs> However, he was already a HUAC member in early February 1947 when he heard enemy number one Gerhard Eisler and his sister Ruth Fisher testify. On February 18, 1947, Nixon referred to Eisler's belligerence toward HUAC in in his maiden speech to the House, also by early February 1947, fellow U.S. Representative Charles J. Kirsten had introduced him to Father John Francis Cronin in Baltimore. Cronin shared of Nixon his 1944 privately circulated paper, The Problem of American Communism, 1945, with much information from the FBI's William C. Sullivan, who by 1961 won would head domestic intelligence under J. Edgar Hoover. By May 1948, Nixon had co-sponsored a fund a month Nixon bill to implement a new approach to the compl complicated problem of internal communist subversion. It provided for registration of all Communist Party members and required a statement of the source of all printed and broadcast material issued by organizations that were found to be communist fronts. He, ser <coughs> <coughs> he served as floor manager for the Republican Party. On May 19, 1948, the bill passed the House by 313 to 58, but later it failed to pass the Senate. The Nixon Library cites this bill's passage as <coughs> Nixon's first Senate victory in Congress. <coughs> Nixon first gained national attention in August 1948. When his persistence as a HUAC member helped break the Alger, his spy case. While many doubted Whitaker's chamber's uh, allegations that his, a former State Department official, had been a Soviet spy, Nixon believed them. To <coughs> <coughs> Nixon believed them to be true and pressed for the committee to continue its investigation. After his file suit for defamation, Chambers produced documents corroborating his allegations. These included paper and microphone copies that Chambers turned over to the House investigators after having hidden them overnight in a field. They became known as the Pumpkin Papers. Hiss was convicted of perjury in 1950 for denying under oath he had passed documents to Chambers. In 1948, Nixon cross-filed as a candidate in his district, winning both major party primaries and was comfortably re-elected. 
U.S. Senate, 1950 to 1953. In 1949, Nixon began to consider running for the United States Senate against the Democratic incumbent Sheridan Downey and entered the race in November. Downey faced with a bitter primary battle with Representative Helen Gahagan. Douglas announced his retirement in March 1950. Nixon and Douglas won the primary election and engaged in a contentious campaign in which the ongoing Korean War was a major issue. Nixon tried to focus attention on Douglas's liberal voting record as part of that effort. A pink street a pink sheet was distributed by the Nixon campaign, suggesting that as Douglas' voting record was similar to that of New York Congressman Rito. Mark Antonio, believed by some to be a communist, their political views must be nearly identical. Nixon won the election by almost 20% percentage points. During this campaign, Nixon was first called Tricky Dick by his opponents for his campaign tactics. 1950 California Senate election results by county. Nixon, 59%, 60 to 60, 50-59%, 60-69%, 70-79%. to Douglas, 50-59%. In the Senate, Nixon took a prominent position in opposing global communism, traveling quickly and speaking out against it. He maintained friendly relations with his federal anti-communist controversial Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy, but was careful to keep some distance between himself and McCarthy's allegations. Nixon also criticized Her- President Harry S. Truman's handling of the Korean War. He supported statehood for Alaska and Hawaii, voted in favor of civil rights for minorities, and supported federal justice relief for India and Yugoslavia. He voted against price controls and other monetary restrictions between benefits for illegal immigrants and public power. Vice Presidency, 1953-1961, General Dwight D. Eisenhower was nominated for president by the Republicans. In 1952, he had no strong preference for a vice president candidate and public office holders and public officials met in a smoke-filled room and recommended Nixon to the general who agreed to the senator's second election. Nixon's youth, he was, 30, he was in 39 stance against communism and political base of California, one of the largest states, were all seen as Vote winners by the leaders among the candidate, candidates considered, along with Nixon, was were Ohio Senator Robert A. Taft, New Jersey Governor Alfred Driscoll, and Illinois Senator Everett Dirksen on the campaign trail. Eisen spoke to his campaigns in mid-September. The, the Republican tri- ticket faced a major crisis. The media reported that Nixon had a political fund maintained by his backers, which reimbursed him for political expenses. Such a fund was not illegal, but exposed Nixon to allegations of possible conflicts of interest. With pressure building for Eisenhower to demand Nixon's resignation from the ticket, the senator went on television to deliver an ad- address to the nation on September 23, 1952. The address later termed the checker speech was heard by about 60 million Americans, including the largest television audience up to that point. Nixon emotionally def- defended himself, stated that the fund was not so good, nor had donors say special favors. He painted himself as a man of modest means. His wife had to had no mean coat. Instead, she wore a respectable Republican cloth coat and a patriot. The speech would be remembered for the gift which Nixon had received, but which he would not give back. A little cocker spaniel dog sent all the way from Texas, and our little girl Trisha, the six-year-old, named it Checkers. The speech prompted a huge public outpouring for support, of support for Nixon. Eisenhower decided to retain him on the ticket, which proved victorious in the November election. 
Eisenhower gave Nixon responsibility during his term as vice president more than any previous vice president. Nixon attended cabinet and national security council meetings and chaired them with Eisenhower was absent. A 1952 tour of the Far East succeeded in increasing local goodwill toward the United States and prompted Nixon to appreciate the potential of the region as an industrial center. He visited Saigon and Hanoi in French Indochina. On his return to the United States at the end of 1953, Nixon increased the amount of time he devoted to foreign relations. Biographer Erwin Gelman, who chronicled Nixon's congressional year, set up his vice presidency. Eisenhower Riley altered the role of his running mate by presenting him with critical assignment in both foreign and domestic affairs. Once he assumed his office, the vice president welcomed the president's initiatives and worked and worked energetically to accomplish White House objectives. Because of the collaboration between these two leaders, Nixon deserves the title of the first modern vice president. Despite intense campaigning by Nixon, who reprised his strong taxes on the Democrats, the Republicans lost control of both houses of Congress in the 1954 elections. These losses caused Nixon to contemplate leaving the politics. He had reserved out his term on September 24, 1955. President Eisenhower suffered a heart attack. His condition was initially believed to be life-threatening. Eisenhower was able to perform duties for six weeks. The 25th Amendment the United States Constitution had not yet been proposed, and the Vice President had no formal power to act. Nonetheless, Nixon acted in Eisenhower's stead during this period, presiding over cabinet and ensuring that aides and cabinet officers did not seek power. According to Nixon biographer Stephen Ambrose, Nixon had earned the high praise he received for his conduct during the crisis. He made no, no attempt to seize power. His spirits bored. Nixon sought a second term, but some of Eisenhower's aides aimed to displace him in a December 1950 meeting. Eisenhower proposed that Nixon not run for four re-election or to give him administrative experience before a 1960 presidential run, and instead become a cabinet officer in a second Eisenhower administration. Nixon believes such an action would destroy his political career when Eisenhower announced his re-election in bid in February 1950, he hedged on twice of his running mate, saying it was improper to address that question until he had been renominated. Although no Republican was opposing Eisenhower, Nixon received a substantial number of write-in votes against the president in the 1956 New Hampshire primary election. In late April, the president announced that Nixon would again be his running mate. Eisenhower and Nixon were re-elected by a comfortable margin in the, 19, in the November 1956 re-election. In early 1957, Nixon undertook another major foreign trip to Africa on his return to help shepherd the Civil Rights Act of 1957 through Congress. The bill was weakened in the Senate, and civil rights leaders were divided over whether Eisenhower should sign it. Nixon advised the president to sign the bill, which he did. Eisenhower suffered a mild stroke in November 1957, and Nixon gave a press conference assuring that the nation that the cabinet was functioning well as a team during Eisenhower's brief illness. Stay tuned for part two of. U.S. Resident number 37, Richard M. Nixon.